What is up, everybody? Welcome to this Trainwreck Sports Podcast, where we are here to pay the bills. And this week is going to pay a lot of bills for a lot of us content creators out here. It's Bills Chiefs, so we're going to get into all of it. As always, joined by my co-host, Mike Partham. And our first guest of the Pay the Bills podcast has made his big return. The big man is back. Jay Spence, the king, back here. We brought in the big guns. Bills Chiefs week. How we doing, fellas? How we doing, Jay Spence? Man, I'm good. I'm excited for this week. Uh, I'm grateful to be back. I appreciate you guys with for the invite. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get into it. Mike, yeah. how we doing? Uh, pretty neutral as always, up until game time, up until the bullets start flying and it gets to crunch time and the big plays start being made or not being made. And I start, you know, yelling obscenities at the TV. Well, not maybe not yet. That's more. Drew Gear on Rock Power Reports thing. <laughs> I wait until the very end of the game when it's, you know, the game's on the line to start really getting emotional. Yeah, I one might say I'm wrestling. I wrestle with my emotion at that point. I'm with you there, bro. I've, I'm I'm uh, I have my moments. So I'm here in Chicago. My girlfriend is a new Bills fan. I met her met her here in Chicago, so she's she's a big fan. But so I have to like reel. I've reeled it in for a little while. Playoff games, it's like a different animal. Like last week, I'm I'm sitting there screaming, yelling, whatever. She puts up with it, though. We're all good. We, we It's playoffs. We got to all go all out like everybody else. So we're going to touch on the Victory Thursday. We got to take one last lap. Everybody, listen, even Maniac was ready to move on from this. He sent me, he sent in our chat. If you, if you go look back at our timeline, we sent out the Bills Chiefs line on FanDuel in the middle of the second quarter. We like that's how ready we were for this matchup, but we got to touch on this Bill Steelers game to start off first. Um, and the thing I, my biggest takeaway from this game, we'll start with you, Jay Spence. The Bills game, the Bills, the the physicality is something me and Aaron Quinn talked about. We thought that that would be a really physical game this weekend, and it was. I mean, there was injuries all over. Mm-hmm. I think the cold and the the field conditions had a lot to do with some of those injuries as well, but. I think the biggest thing that feels, and we were talking about what feels different about the Bills this year, right before we jumped on this pod and why we feel good about this team. And it's really the physicality in that run game. And mind you, we obviously we all have seen the big highlight, the, the highlight run from Josh a million times this week. I mean, by choice, a million times. Like I've continued to just sit there and watch it over and over again. But the threat of that run game and the physicality of this offensive line, I feel like that's what is the biggest difference in this offense from years past would you agree with that or do you feel like it's still like uh do you feel like it's a different feeling offense to you or even from the course of earlier this year or then past years and then that what makes it more dynamic looking at this matchup against the Chiefs well absolutely I think I agree with you first about the run game so when you talk about James Cook before you even talk about Josh I know we got the 52 yard run and you know and I know Josh you know even if you go back to the game before that he had 15 runs I think for 65 or 67 yards or something like that and then it, it just seems like Josh is being more involved in the run game again and then James Cook is you know he's the best running back we've had since Shady and you know no diss to no diss to Devin Singletary no diss to Zach Moss but the offense when 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 James is going when Cook is cooking it, it's a whole different vibe for the offense and um, I, the only thing that I wish Joe Brady would do, I wish they would use some play action pass more. You know, mm-hmm. when when James Cook is going like that, Josh Josh Allen is pretty much almost perfect out of the play action pass this season, and we just don't use it enough. Um, hopefully this this weekend, and I know we're not talking about that game yet, but hopefully this weekend we'll see more of some play action happening because I just think that the uh, the Chiefs defense is the scary part about this game. But again, we're not there yet. So, for, so it's the run game. I, I agree with you on, but another thing that I think 
we've been missing Cole Beasley. And I know last season we re-signed him late and we signed him back for the playoffs, but he wasn't Cole Beasley that we missed. He was like a, a like a you know, an abbreviated version of that Cole Beasley. So we got him back and it still just wasn't what we needed. And I think Dalton Kincaid has come in and he's filled that role very nicely. And then the emergence of, you know, Khalil Shakir, same thing. So I think what you're seeing is if a football team that's running the ball and then they're looking for the pass and they're finding all of their guys, as opposed to last year when it almost felt like if you didn't force feed Diggs or if you didn't, like if Josh and Diggs didn't connect, the Bills were going to lose every time. You know, so now it's like, oh, we're finding other ways to win. And that makes me confident going into the playoffs. Every year since Josh has been a quarterback, it's it's almost been like Josh has to be perfect every time to win a game. Now, I almost feel like now playoff Josh, we don't see many mistakes, but I almost feel like if Josh doesn't play his best game, we still can win. We got a good defense. Our offense is is good. Special teams concerns me, you know, but but offensively, man, I think I think we're finding ways to win without having to make Josh be the only like he he doesn't have to go God mode. And then same thing with Steph. If Steph isn't getting 15 targets, we can still win. So I think that's the biggest difference for me. And that's why I feel more confident this offseason or this postseason versus any other postseason that I've been a part of. Yeah, I think that's something Joe Brady has done a good job of is making this offense multiple and have different identities from week to week. Like the, something we mm-hmm. talked about with the Patriots in years past when they were on their run. Like it was like they could attack you in so many different ways, defensively and offensively. And that's kind of how this Bills team feels offensively and defensively right now. Uh, Mike, with that defensive side of the ball, that was a, it was a good, I think it was a solid effort from the defense. It wasn't their best effort. There was some bend, but don't break tendencies coming back. Some big plays, obviously, Kyrie Elam with the big pick in the end zone and everything else. But this is a, an injured, a beaten up defense. Even today, we still have Tyler or Taylor Rapp, Christian Benford out right now, not practicing yet this week. There's a lot of injuries in the secondary. Terrell Bernard was out there on the field or no, he wasn't out there on the field, but he's talking about uh talking about that. He thinks that he's still up in the air and wants hopes to go Taron Johnson back out on the field. Um, but in the non-contact thing. So what do you think that this defense can withstand any more injuries? Do you think this was just a physical game? Like we talked about, or was it the field conditions and just the weather and everything else? Cause it seemed like there were guys going off the field left and right. There were like four concussions in this game. Like it was a, it was definitely a hard-hitting affair, but what do you think the defense looks like coming out of this game? Or And do you think, and one more thing before I let you go, Maniac made a great point on Monday on Trainwreck tonight that he feels like Sean McDermott's defenses have been better with, with replacements in when they have a week to scheme them up rather than when the guys have to come in in the moment, in the heat of the battle. So do you feel that is a is something that they can take advantage of this week when you got like, AJ Klein getting ready for a big game again this week. I mean, big game AJ or Dorian Williams and those kind of guys. As opposed to AJ Klein going on a trip to Key West like he <laughs> planned with his family. Uh, I mean, yeah, you got to bring in guys who are familiar with your scheme. And it, uh, as long as you got guys who are familiar with your scheme and you can bring them in right away, whether they're on the team currently or not, then I think McDermott has a good chance of being able to scheme up these guys in order to get them in the right positions even if they're not an instinctual guy like Nampolano who would get himself in the right position, if McDermott can get him in the right positions and, you know, uh, have some fake out, you know, blitzes and uh, you could see some guys, uh, cornerbacks pulling back and then another cornerback, you know, taking his place, sort of uh, giving the impression that you're going to give these receivers a lot of cushion then, Oh, no, you're going to play man on them instead. So as long as McDermott can stay one step ahead of the offenses, regardless of the personnel he has, then I think the Bills are going to be pretty... I mean, in the middle of the season when all these guys were going down in the first place, like your Milano and your Trey White, Daquan, for a while, uh, the defense was struggling, you could tell, even against, especially against subpar teams. But now against some of the more uh, better offenses in the NFL, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, even the Dolphins, who we tend to handle anyway, uh, you can see that uh, the defense is rounding into form even with the you know the guys that you would expect to see in the third preseason game in the fourth quarter so you you have whatever issues we may or may not have with McDermott you have to give Sean McDermott credit for that 
Yeah, they always look there. That is something that I think I, I love about Sean McDermott and his defensive acumen is that it always looks like the guys are prepared, whether they can get to those spots. That's one thing, but it feels like they're generally in the right spots going for it. But that's enough Steelers talk. We, we need to get I mean, we can enjoy the run one more time. We're here for one reason. And the whole NFL world is here for one reason this week. It's Allen Mahomes seven. It's it's the divisional round again, the third playoff matchup. Has there what you guys will have to tell me what is the last environment that we see? Go ahead, Mike. 1993 AFC championship game, Bills versus Chiefs. I mean, we've had playoff games at the Ralph Wilson's team since then, but none of this really this magnitude. We've had magnitude uh playoff games, but none at the Ralph, I think, thus far. Uh, unless you count the Bills Colts game, which was the first playoff victory, you know, period for the Bills at that point in time. But uh, you remember going back to that game, Kelly versus Montana, and Bruce Smith knocked out Joe Montana before the end of the first half. And wouldn't you know it, Bruce Smith is the guy leading the charge this week. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I I would agree. I would also throw in there that Baltimore game that following week. The fans Mm -hmm. weren't quite there yet. I think we only had 14,000 or 15,000 fans in attendance for that game. And the Teron Johnson interception of Lamar Jackson in the red zone that he ran back for a pick six. I think – that moment, you know, in that game, I think kind of to me, it, it reminded me of the moment over the weekend when Josh ran that 52 yard touchdown. And it was like the same feeling during the game. But um, I, I agree, man, like there hasn't been a game like this at the Ralph, a moment like this at the Ralph in playoffs that means something of this magnitude uh, since because even like you said, the first the first couple of playoff games that we had there, they were big, but they weren't. I feel like it it wasn't this level. This is this is for the NFL today. This is, you know, Ali and, and Frazier. You know, this is this is Tyson and Holyfield for the NFL today. Like these are the t- some people gonna hate. Some people will say Allen isn't the top two. I tell you what, show me another quarterback that's setting the records that he's setting. You know, show me another quarterback that's doing the things that he's doing. I get that he has turnovers. So did Brett Favre. So did Peyton Manning, so that, so whatever. Like I ain't even gonna go there. This is this is Frazier and Ali. So this is a big game, man. And I'm I'm amped for it. I already uh you know I got my plans for Sunday. My cousin's coming over. We gonna already. I I gotta stop drinking. I said this. I'm gonna stop drinking before the games because because obviously you all see my tweets and you see the stuff that I man I get. No, it's my I favorite get, thing during the game. I see you getting amped up. You get me amped up. I'm like I I'm like high. I need to be on this level. I need to be there. Like I, I'm with Mike. I'm like I'm more neutral. And then I see you tweeting out. I'm like nah, it's shit. Like let's go. Yeah, let's go every Sunday, every week. So so well, I'm gonna try it for the playoffs. I'm like you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the dispensary first. It's legal in Arizona. So you know if it's not legal in your state, make sure. That you're following whatever laws, but in Arizona it's legal. I'm gonna go to the dispensary. I'm gonna get me an edible. I'm gonna take that the first go. game, and then I'm gonna smoke before the Bills game. And I should be, I should be okay. Well, we let's hope. Yeah. Quick aside, I'm against. I, I'm out on edibles before playoff games. I took it before the uh, the Texans Bills game. I took asleep. it. Took a nice edible. I did not fall asleep. It was just way too, that second half got me going. I was sitting there like, what is going on? I do the Josh Wine though. If you're if you're looking for a drink, the Josh Wine has been good luck the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. That's all okay, I'm saying. Okay. But this is all right. We all we got our game day rituals. But before we get into like breaking down this game, it is you mentioned it, Ali Frazier. Like the, we were talking about it before. It feels like Bad Boys Pistons versus mm-hmm. versus uh, versus the Jordan Close, Bulls, man. and we're hoping that Josh Allen is that Michael Jordan in that battle. That you could go. Brady Manning and and if Mahomes is the Brady in this situation who had the early success that we're hoping that that we can finally get our get our win here and we're right about in line I think it was we're a couple years off but we're right about in line when those wins started coming it's it feels like the whole football world the whole sports world has been waiting for this matchup to happen again since two years ago in this spot we finally get it in Orchard Park to see what it's and we finally it's so wild to me that this is the first time really that Patrick Mahomes is going to, you know, witness this kind of atmosphere in, in Orchard Park. Obviously they played there before, but there were no fans in attendance. Like it's going to be, that's why I wanted to bring up the atmosphere because man, I don't think I can't even fathom yet what, what it's going to sound like through the TV, like hearing that crowd. I love hearing it for these big games. When you're, when you hear the big opening and the, where else would you rather be in the crowd going nuts feels like it's a college football game with 150,000 people going crazy in there. I don't even know. Like it's, 
I'm going to have to turn down my TV. Like, I don't even know what to expect from Bill's <laughs> Mafia going into this game. But just I, I, it's just a nice moment to appreciate here, whether regardless of what the result comes out, the fact that we're here and we can have Alan Mahomes 7 up on the screen and it feel like it's it's worthy of the heavyweight fight is a good is a good feeling, man. What about you, Mike? Like, how are you feeling just about the Mahomes-Allen matchup and kind of where these two have been in their uh, – in their trajectories this year right now do you feel like this is the this is a question this is a prize question for you, and i know that we both we're all josh allen fans and everything else but let's look at it objectively we think these are the top two do you think allen will surpass mahomes in most people's minds if they win this game do you think that this would be enough or does he need to go on to have further playoff success for them to give him that kind of credit he needs to step over Mahomes on this game on his way to a Super Bowl win, preferably, of course. I mean, you mentioned Colts Patriots. You think back to that uh, early 2000s era. Uh, I think the Colts played at New England five times in a row, including the two losses in the playoffs. And then they got a couple of wins in the regular season. And then finally, they got a game in Indianapolis in that playoff game where they came back from, like I think, down 21 to 3. And then they came back to win it at the end and went on to win the Super Bowl. And that really cemented uh, Peyton Manning's legacy as far as him being able to win the big one and get over the Tom Brady New England Patriots hump. So if Josh Allen wants to cement his legacy and not just be compared to Philip Rivers as far as his success or lack thereof is concerned, he's got to really – this is this is his moment. I mean, you can beat Patrick Mahomes in the regular season all you want, but this is when it really counts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree because it's one of those things where um, first I think they're three and three, you know, so I think they're they each won three games. But Patrick Mahomes is undefeated in the playoffs against Josh. And then on top of it, um, it's one of those things where it's like every year this this ends up being the storyline where Josh Allen, he does put up numbers and the Bills do win games and the Bills like last season, they were favored before the season started to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, Josh came out and he started off beating the champions and then they Look, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to what happens in January and February. And if you're losing games in January, on top of it, at home in January. Last year, we lost to Joe Burrow in Buffalo in the playoffs. Now, if you allow Patrick Mahomes to come here and you lose in Buffalo in the playoffs, it's going to be a narrative that it doesn't matter where it is. You can't beat the top quarterback competition in the NFL. And then what that does is it takes Josh Allen, for the few of us that put him in that conversation, is going to is going to make it difficult to a certain extent for us to defend him in those conversations. So, I think outside of us, outside of what everybody else is saying, I think Josh knows for this game that I got to win this game for my legacy. And Josh Allen, he's not he's not ignorant to the fact that people are talking about him. He's not ignorant to the fact that like, look, it's you and it's you and Patrick Mahomes. And this I, I know Lamar Jackson is favored to win the MVP. That's fine. He can have that. But right now, the best quarterbacks in the playoffs on any side of it, if you're NFC, AFC, regardless of what you're, what team you're a fan of, everybody is looking at this game Sunday night. What is it, 8.30 p.m. or whatever the time is? 6.30, I think. 6.30? Okay. Uh, 6.30 p.m. They're looking at that game as the game of the weekend. They're hoping it's toe-to-toe. They're hoping it's another 13 seconds type deal where it comes down to the last play of the game or overtime. That's okay, what they're looking okay. forward to. And well, God forbid for me, that's why I'm gonna do it at Edible and smoke. For all our heart attacks (laughs) and our cholesterol or whatever. But could you imagine though, if that happens and Josh Allen loses in Orchard Park, like what can you say as a Bills fan when when Chiefs fans talk crap in your mention? Like what what can your comeback really be? Nothing. You know, it's not gonna be just Chiefs fans. It's gonna be every single fan base who's who's coming coming for his throat. It is. Yeah, man, it, that's really that really feels like the state. And you, you made a great point about Allen. Like he even in his quotes the other day, like he understands where where the, what this means for him, for his legacy, for to to compare to Pat and everything else. And yeah, like you can't get this done at home again. No matter even even if he does have, even if he has the the game like he had two years ago, where it's another shootout. They go, it's a historic game, one of the best two games by two quarterbacks in a duel again. And they come up short. He's not going to get the benefit like he did a couple years ago. Where a couple years ago it was like, oh, they're next. Like they're right there with this team. 
you know, if they just do, if they, you know, just survive those 13 seconds, they're winning the Super Bowl and all this other stuff that came out of it. They're not going to get that benefit of the doubt with this team. It's going to be more like the Bills missed their chance. This was their best chance to get this team. They're never going to get them back in that spot. And that's what I was talking about. I was afraid of talking about those outcomes and getting into them because like, it's just, it's so real right now. Like we're it, like, you get to these points in these games and this is where legacies are defined like this they truly and so i think you guys are both spot on with where where allen is in this position and where mahomes is too because of i think if allen if allen and the bills go on they win a super bowl and mahomes has this year and you know they kelsey retires at the end of the year and everything else like there's going to be a lot of people there are a lot of people out there waiting to bring down patrick mahomes there's nothing more that me the sports media loves to do than to build somebody up and then just tear them down for the next couple of years. And I think that Mahomes probably feels that, and we know he feels that pressure with this team right now. Like we've seen it. We obviously saw it in the earlier match of the season. He's talked about it. Now Rasheed Rice is playing a lot better and he's having a receiver show up for him. We're going to talk about guys that are going to try to step up for the, to help out Allen Mahomes in this game in a second. But there's a lot of pressure on Pat to make things happen in this game. And the Bills defensive injuries aside, he, he has not ever played a road playoff game as I'm sure everybody has seen a million times this week too. Like this yeah. is Mahomes' first true road playoff game. The closest in- he's had to a road playoff game is the Super Bowl against the Bucks in their own stadium. But that was really a, that's more of a neutral site feeling, feeling where uh, fans from both teams can get tickets, even though they were very limited. It was the COVID Super Bowl as it was yeah. limited to uh, first responders, as I recall. That's so a great point. Though. Even, I did- even in another team stadium, he still gets the benefit of not having the full throttle of a uh, 60,000, 70,000 opposing fans screaming at the top of their lungs. But that is a great point because that is the closest it came to it. And it was probably his worst playoff performance by far. And the offensive line issues were a big reason for that. He was getting pummeled, but I also feel pretty good about this bill's defensive line right now. I felt good about it all year being the thing that could help carry us through January, but Jay Spence, who is going to help? both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes the most on Sunday who like, and this can be, this doesn't have to be a receiver. It can be, a, it can be the line. It can be a, the defensive side of the ball. If there's players like who is going to help these guys the most get this done, because you know, no matter what these guys are going to try to be Superman at some point, like they're going to, like they're going to feel like they're going to try to outdo each other because that's just what these guys do in these moments. These two guys have been watching them for years, but who's going to help them out the most on Sunday, start with Allen and then go into Mahomes. Well, um, I, I, well, I tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to combine them because I feel like what what both guys need is obviously Kelsey's there for, for Mahomes and for Josh Diggs is there. Both of these guys offensively need their supporting uh, cast to, to really step up and make some plays. Last night on Hump Day Hotline, I wasn't able to join, but uh, Joe and, and Sterling talked about it. And Sterling talked about like the makeup of a championship caliber team. And he started to talk about like, like, for instance, back when the Patriots were were winning the way they were, nobody thought like Julian Edelman was going to be like the player he was in, in moments that he was or Wes yeah. Welker in moments. That, you know, so now you have Khalil Shakir making play after play and you have, you know, all these guys that you didn't expect to tie Johnson. Um, you know, you have these guys that are making plays that you really don't even expect to make plays. And they're the ones that's coming up in big moments to where it doesn't have to be a Stefan Diggs. One of the things that I think is interesting about this game, everybody is expecting this big, you know, back and forth, uh, you know, what well, I think 13 seconds game, what was it like uh, 36 to four, whatever the score was, right? They're expecting that. Yeah. I'll tell you what the chiefs have scored. 30 points three times this season. Mm -hmm. They are not the offensive dynamic team that we're used to seeing. They are a defensive team. And when they score points like that, it's because something either happened. They had a big play on defense where they actually had a pick six or they have a special teams play that set them up in an opportunity to score again. The Buffalo Bills have scored 30 points seven times this season. If you're going to include this playoff game that we just had, that we just had. The Chiefs also had a game. So it's fair to include both those games. They've scored 30 points, three times, we've scored it seven times. I feel like if we are able to score 30 points, we can win this game. So for me, what I'm looking at in this game, I'm looking to see uh, Dawson Kincaid and and Dawson Knox as a tandem like they were last week. They don't both have to score touchdowns, but I would like to see them play in tandem. Like they have to make plays. I need to see Diggs make plays. We can't have him getting shut down like they did Tyreek Hill. And then lastly, like, you know, just really – Anybody on offense that you love, 
just just we need to be clicking. We need yeah. to be clicking. We need to score 30 points. If we score 30 points, I have no – and I know that's a, a tall task. They have a great defense. But I'm bringing that up to say this year if our offense is able to do what – when Josh Allen is clicking, it doesn't matter what defense we're playing. I've seen Josh Allen play against some of the best defenses and pick them apart. Josh can do that. He has to take what the defense gives him instead of trying to force – what the defense doesn't want him to have. So if Josh takes what they give him and we just methodically go down the field, we run the ball well, and we just do the little things that we're supposed to do, I, I don't, honest to God, man, I don't have any apprehensions going into this game. Now, if we get a version of Josh Allen where he's going out there and he thinks he has to be Superman, first, second, and third down, we might, we might be going, you know, like my vacation in a month might, it might start sooner than later is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that before you jump in here, Mike, I think there was a stat. I can't remember where I heard it earlier this week, but the Chiefs have only let up thirty more than thirty points once in the last couple of years, and it was the Super Bowl in the in the Super Bowl win, thirty-eight to thirty-five. That defense has been nasty for a couple of years, and this year they if they you don't if you don't get to twenty, they they got you. Like you have to get to at least twenty points to get this team. The Bills got to twenty earlier in the year; they won that game. It, you're, it's a great point about this Chiefs team. It's they've kind of flipped they flipped uh, expectations on its head because the offense has not been as dynamic. If you get points up on this team, you can move the ball against them. You will have success against them this year. Steve Spagnola scares the hell out of me though, and so does Chris Jones and that secondary. But so, how are you feeling about it, Mike? Who do you think needs to help out Mahomes and Allen the most Sunday? Well, I think the running games. I think uh, you remember that uh, Isaiah Pacheco was not uh, part of the Chiefs in the last game. Uh, he's a guy who, uh, from all reports, is he enjoys being a hard physical runner. He wants to run you over. He enjoys bad weather games. He probably enjoyed that uh, zero-degree game in Kansas City, and he's probably going to be in his element up here. Uh, he's been productive lately. He's had 80-plus yards in three of the last four games. So he's a guy that they're going to have to look out for. But then again, we didn't have Daquan Jones in that last Bills Chiefs game. So maybe mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a canceling out effect. Uh, James Cook has got to step up a little bit because he was pretty productive again in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, 18 carries, 79 yards, a 4.4 average. And you think back to that Dallas game, he went off for 179 yards. But uh, the last two games before Pittsburgh, he uh, – 16 carries for 48 yards, a 3.0 average against New England, and 13 for 36 for 2.8 against Miami. Uh, he still feels like he can, uh, you know, at any given uh, handoff, break off for 10 yards, get a first down on his own. Yeah. Uh, one little uh, interesting thing that I heard about uh, the recent uh, uh, Pittsburgh game, the Bills have been running gap running schemes most all season, I uh, believe 70% rate. But then again, against Pittsburgh, they were running 70% zone. So maybe it's a new little wrinkle that uh, Joe Brady's throwing in there. And since they were pretty effective there, maybe it'll be something that the Chiefs have to look out for a little bit extra. So I think the running games have to both step up uh, for Josh and Pat Patrick to be effective in their uh, throwing. And uh, like Jay, Jay Spence said, uh, this has been true all year where they, where Josh has been more effective on uh, play action passes and you don't necessarily need a good running game to be effective on play action passes, but it certainly helps. Yeah. That's a great point about the zone running game. Cause it feels like James Coates really effective in those zone runs, like pit, like getting out into space and then picking his spot to attack. If they can get him out into that space is really where he gets seven yards without even no one touching it. Right. Like, it, like you see those plays a lot from him. I, I'm, I'm pretty bullet. My biggest thing is I think the biggest thing to help Allen in this game is the strength of the offensive line. And whether you talk about the run game and how that can, how they can be physical and, and, unlock that run game a little bit against this great Chiefs defense. But also, if you go back to that divisional game a couple years ago, Josh was running for his life the whole game. Like, Josh, the reason Josh was Superman in that game is because he was making the plays where he's dodging two sacks and then getting the ball out, or he's scrambling right away. Like, it looked like it looked like he was taking the shotgun snap and immediately bailing out. And that's, that's credit to Spat. That's why I'm terrified. And that's a good segue to go into what we want to talk about, because go ahead. Well, I'm, I just want you to know, like, and, I, and that's a great point. However, you're talking about a divisional game with an offensive line that that had 
like guys on it that we don't want to have on it. Now yes, our exactly. offensive line has been one of the most consistent units. We've had the same starters for the entire season. Uh, those guys are like, they don't give up as many sacks. I think there's been, I think the bills have five games this year where they didn't allow a single sack on Josh Allen. Part of that is Josh being Josh and he's getting away from certain moments, but it's also that the offensive line has improved a ton. So while I agree with you that Spags Spags is in his bag often. Uh, he, he's a great defensive coordinator. He draws up some exotic blitzes, and he's able to put pressure on quarterbacks in a way that should scare you. However, Josh Allen plays well against Spags every time. Uh, if you go back and look at all the games, I would say only the only one that Josh played bad, and I wouldn't even say it was Josh's fault, um, the AFC Championship game, he didn't look that great, but it was because Steph had a, I don't know if everybody remembers, Steph had an oblique injury. Uh, yep. Cole Beasley was playing with a fractured uh, leg. I think John Brown had like a hamstring and he was playing, but he had a hamstring injury. They benched Devin Singletary in the first quarter after fumbling. So like Josh was out there playing with a shell of the offense and he was just trying to make things happen. So it looked like he was terrible, but at the end of the day, he was out there with a, with, 60% health for the rest of his team. So that would be the only one I would be concerned about. But but the way our offensive line is now, man, Jake, I'm telling you, man, you don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it, man. Yeah, he is. A, I believe that it's the lowest sack rate in the league this year. And it is that the offensive line has been that it have been awesome this year. And it is you. it is Allen, too. Like it was there was one play that sticks in my brain last week where it was I think it was Patrick Peterson on a corner blitz. And Allen's waiting in there way too long. And this is one of those moments I was telling about where I started freaking out like Josh, throw Josh, throw get out, get out. And he waits to the last second. And then he just ducks Patrick Peterson and gets out and makes his play like Allen does that on the regular so you can't worry about it too much but let's get into spags and mcdermott quick jay spence how do you think they're going to scheme for the for the quarterbacks because Mahomes. obviously we talked about it, the chiefs offense hasn't been clicking as much this year what are you what are they going to take away from Mahomes? like it's not like like and it i guess it really depends on the health of this defense and especially at the linebacker mm -hmm. position because if that linebacker position's hurt it feels like it could be you know big travis kelsey time but travis kelsey just hasn't been that dude this year like he's He's getting up there in age. It's crazy that he – I can't remember where I heard it today again either, but he's the same age He's the same age as Gronk. Like, he, Gronk has been retired twice in, in, yeah. in his, in his yeah. career. So, Kelsey's up there in age. He's obviously had a lot of usage and everything. So, how do you think McDermott's going to scheme for Mahomes? And then what do you think that uh, Spags is going to try to take away from Allen in this game? Well, I think McDermott's goal in this, like you mentioned earlier um, – Pacheco didn't play in that last game. I think Pacheco was the focal point of this offense. I know Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey, but I think you're going to see a lot of rice and a lot of Pacheco. And if we can get Pacheco in control, we're not going to stop him. He's going to have a couple runs that's going to annoy Bills fans. It's going to happen. He he gets his yards every game. But if we can kind of control the amount of yards that he gets, like don't let him go off. Don't let him score two touchdowns. Don't let him do all that stuff. I think if you take the run game away from Patrick Mahomes and then you force him because with our safeties being healthy now, that again, that's a difference from last year's playoffs. We didn't have Micah Hyde, uh, Jordan Poyer against the chief, uh, the Bengals last year. He went out uh, in the, I think second quarter, he got injured. So you look now our secondary. Now what they're doing is the secondary is telling the linebackers and the cornerbacks, like, look, keep the play in front of you, do what you got to do and we'll clean it up. And they've been doing that all year. Yep. And and the thing about having those two guys back there, it completely changes your defense because it does allow your defensive line to, if they do make some mistakes, Jordan Poyer coming down and run support straight. Micah Hyde coming down and run support, you're straight. So um, I, I think that run, that run defense is going to be the focal point because, like you mentioned, the receivers, uh, Valdez Scantling, he just can't catch a cold. You, you know, you talk about – um, you, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. I, I want everybody to understand, like, he didn't reach a thousand yards for the first time in like forever. But part of that has to do with the games that he missed earlier in the season with the injuries. And yeah. then also part of that has to do with the fact that because Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the same uh, dynamic room of weapons, he doesn't. And I'm saying this like last year was dynamic. He had Juju Smith Schuster, but <laughs> Juju is better. You know, he, he was an option that's needed. So, like, you don't have Tyreek Hill and Juju and whoever else. So now, teams are able to do what they've done against Diggs to us in the past where they shut down Diggs or they kind of bracket them. And then they say, look, one of you guys got to beat us. I don't know if the Buffalo Bills are threatened by anybody outside of Tariq or outside of Travis Kelsey beating us. So I think if I'm the, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, if I'm Sean McDermott, you, you try to stop that run game and then you, you 
put whoever you feel is your best. Again, you mentioned injuries. I don't know who's going to be active as a linebacker. I don't know what's happening. But you put your best cover person on him, and then you just let the rest of it play out, man. I, I, I'm not scared of this game. Like In years past, I was nervous going into this game. I'm I'm legitimately preparing myself for next week's articles. Like, And I'm not looking past them, so I'm not saying it that way. These are the Chiefs. They're the defending Super Bowl champions until somebody takes them away. I'm not worried about them. I see the comment about Rasheed Rice. Absolutely correct. Rasheed Rice is a beast. You can't can't let this dude go off. But the difference about him is he doesn't have the same type of big playability like Tariq Hill did. So like if you if you just keep him in front of you, like I mentioned, you keep the plays in front of you. I have I have absolutely all the confidence in the world of this team. They're gonna do the thing that pisses us off. I'm telling you. They're gonna bend but don't break between the twenties. Once you get into the red zone, they're gonna break or or Put the handcuffs on them, just like you saw with Pittsburgh. You get an interception in the end zone, or you stop them on fourth and one, or something like that. That's how this defense is built, and that's how they're going to be this weekend. So uh, I, I'm confident, man. Like I'm ready to talk about next week, but not really because I don't want to jinx us. You know, I don't want to jinx us. I think it's a great point about Pacheco because uh, you know, in going back to the, it's a, it's obviously a while ago, but the first matchup in Buffalo. Everybody's expecting a shootout. They're expecting fireworks from Mahomes and everything else. And what did that Chiefs mm-hmm. team do? They just ran Clyde Edwards-Alaire down down their throat because they knew that McDermott was ready for Mahomes and was going to try to take away that the explosive passing game. They're like, all right, light box. We're just going to run that run that right down your throat right. all that all game. And I don't <laughs> think there will be light boxes all game this time because Pacheco. I I I wish Isaiah Pacheco wasn't on the Chiefs because he's one of my favorite players in the league. Like that dude runs harder than anybody in recent memory for me like it's crazy to see him kind of he reminds me of um he reminds me of of marshawn lynch like the way he runs, like Mm -hmm. the aggression and the anger he runs with it's a different run style but i'm just saying as the aggression and the anger he runs like marshawn lynch man and i feel like he runs like he enjoys pain like he just wants somebody (laughs) to hit him and i don't i don't get it but but that's how josh is josh is built like that they like it yeah, they gotta be a little sick in the head for that, but that's what you gotta be to be great at this mm-hmm. game for sure. Mike, what do you yeah. think? What do you think the schemes are gonna be for both uh, Mahomes and Allen? Well, my understanding is uh, McDermott in the last game against Kansas City, he was sending five man pressures against Mahomes, not necessarily to get to Mahomes, but to contain him, to get him to stop doing the improvisational stuff, you know, mm-hmm. outside the pocket where he's more a little more effective, especially with his uh, depleted receiver core. Rashid Rice has been coming on as of late. Uh, he's had ninety plus yard games in three of his last four. Uh, games and he's a good uh turn catch turn and run guy he's big on uh, yards after catch which is something we should probably get on our receiving court one of these days but uh if we get rasul (laughs) douglas back i say put him one on one on one with rasheed rice we've got daquan back he can try to contain isaiah pacheco unless he tries to run outside but uh i think mcdermott will try to just Make uh make Mahomes a uh, pocket quarterback and with his receiving core and with Travis Kelsey dropping passes, I think he uh, dropped three in the first half of the wild card game alone. Kelsey did. So, I mean, if he's not the safety valve that he was in the past, then maybe it'll be the opposite of the last game that was in Buffalo, uh, Kansas City versus Buffalo, where before they dared them to run. Now they might dare them to pass from the pocket. A lot of uh, pressure with the a lot of pressure with the biggest pop star in the world in the stands. I'm sorry, like I don't. Okay. I, it might just be like it might be. I'm not just trying to talk junk. Like you know, I I'm playing sports growing up, and when the family started coming, everybody came to the games. Like you know who's in the crowd, you know who's there. Maybe maybe there's something to it with Travis. But keep going. Sorry, buddy. As for uh, Spagnola, uh, last time he actually did pretty well, at least in the second half. He held that Bills offense to. 120 yard, one yards, and only six points in the second half. So he made some adjustments, at least in this that game. And to that point, most of these Bills Chiefs games have been pretty low scoring. They've been 20 to 17, 24 20 in the recent years. That shoot, the 13 seconds game was pretty much a shootout in the last two minutes, three minutes of that game, and turned it into a 30 to 30 game instead of a 20 to 20 game. So maybe it would have been that if the defenses hadn't gone, uh, you know, uh, soft or whatever in the last couple of minutes um the chiefs like to bring uh or they lead the league in unblocked pressures and they got at least seven of those on the bills in the last game and that was the most of any game in any of their games this season so and josh allen is the kind of guy if anybody in this league can do it to take an unblocked guy and just do a little shimmy here and there and just shrug him off and then chuck a 30 yard pass down the field 
So as much as the Chiefs can bring an unblocked man in a blitz, uh, if anybody can evade that and shrug it off and make a big play out of it, it is Josh Allen. Uh, one other thing they like to do and uh, most teams like to do is try to put a spy on Josh Allen, especially now that he's back to his old running ways. But hopefully the hope is that they can open up some lanes for uh, James Cook to find some holes in the crease. That's a great point. Uh, a great point in here, too, is Murray is a Murray is a great class blocker. And he's he's a, honestly a weapon when they put him in that game back there. Like it feels like it's another tight end or another Reggie Killiam in that pass block. Game. Now, I don't I like it. I know I, I don't like it. switching out guys for just pass block because you're giving away like you're giving away your cards like you're, you're showing what you're doing. Yeah, like, you know that he's not running out for routes or Pat. And I mean, he did catch a ball last week, but. I think you made a great yeah. point about the the spy and everything else because that's the weakest part of this defense for the Chiefs is that linebacker position. And that's why James Cook, the way they attacked them a couple of weeks ago was get James Cook involved in that passing game and get him out of the backfield matched up on those guys because it's a mismatch with James Cook on most linebackers in the league. So as long as James can catch the ball, I feel like he's gonna he's due for a big receiving game this week. But you made a great point about how McDermott uh, kind of schemed against Mahomes too. He really did a great job in the first matchup this year of keeping Mahomes in the pocket and not letting him make the Mahomes bullshit plays like that will that we saw him last week with the big scramble you know like those kinds of plays like you can't let Mahomes as much as you know we cheer for Allen making the back-breaking ridiculous scrambles for 52-yard touchdowns or third and 13 conversions like Mahomes especially when it comes to the playoffs will put his body on the line and can make those plays too and Pat as, as much as people say like Josh is like the most awkwardly athletic guy, like Pat does not look like he should be flying or moving like he does, but Pat can move. He's a big dude. Like he's, I feel like he doesn't come as cross as big as he is like on TV than he is in person. Like he's not a guy you want to see running at you too. So keeping Mahomes contained in the pocket and trying to let that defense and that scheme work feels like a big thing. I want to look can ahead say- a little bit. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, real quick, just about because um, I want to Mike mentioned something about um, how Spags made adjustments in the second half and he did. But again, I just and maybe this might be the Homer Homerism in me at this point of the season now when I'm a Bills fan. But I go back and you look at you look at how that second half played out. And from the very beginning of the third quarter, the Bills came out and they ended up scoring a field goal like halfway through the third quarter. But if you look at that, man, it, it was it was penalty after penalty after penalty that stopped the Bills. So like yeah. the Bills were like on this drive, they were driving 12 yards, 11 yards, 15 yards, 6, 12, then 10 yard penalty. Then there was another five yard penalty. Then it was a penalty right before the field goal. Then the next possession that the Bills got, it was a sack and a penalty punt. Then the next possession we got pass incomplete sack sack penalty so again like yeah the sack and the sack is a hundred percent i'll put that on spags he, he made some adjustments to get to josh but when you're having penalty after penalty like that and then josh is feeling like i got to get that first down we're we're second and 30 we're second and 25 i gotta make a play then josh is holding on to the ball longer to let get these plays develop or he's trying to be superman and he's trying to do things that he shouldn't do and that's the mistakes i just think Honest to God, if we if we play clean football and we start like last week, man, it was a beautiful thing to watch for most of the game. If we if we clean up those penalties, I don't I really don't think the Chiefs have a chance. Now they like this, they like this referee. You know, this referee likes them. So we gotta, <laughs> yeah. we, gotta we gotta watch it. That's the evening. I think that cancels out with the the crowd noise that's gonna be going on because like I can't wait to see Pat just looking frantic before the before the gate like before play Mm -hmm. finally against the bills not having the environment that he wants so i am a little worried about some of these calls with sean hockley you knew that the league was gonna throw Mm -hmm. some kind of wrench into this and and there will be at least three calls in this game that you're like "Mm, like what i don't know about that one like what just happened there if we can get uh, on the uh sean hockley topic uh Remember, he was the guy that called the Bills Eagles game, and he was one of the guys mm-hmm. that missed the horse collar on uh, Josh Allen. There, uh, some stats here: the Chiefs are eight and two in Sean Hockley called games. The Bills are one and three, and the last four games that Sean Hockley has called for the Bills, forty penalties on the Bills for three hundred forty-seven yards. How much of that was his choice? How much of that was on the Bills? Who knows? That's ugly yeah. to hear, man. Like that's ugly yeah. to listen to. <laughs> There's going to be some frustrating moments on Sunday when it yeah. comes to the referees, for sure. Can't play, I'm not going to blame the whole thing, but <laughs> edible for me. Edible. Won't be frustrating for you. He's chilling. <laughs> um, all right, so a couple more, a couple things here to get to get to. I want to look ahead, Jay Spence. You said you were planning ahead. You're planning content ahead. Is there a tougher test than KC left? Because I think we're all pretty confident in the bills 
in their ability as a team. Like right now, they uh, just on the field, we know they can go out there and play with anybody. They play well against good competition always. I feel like the biggest thing for them this year, honestly, it's been a mental battle all year long with this team and kind of getting their ducks in a row. And here we are with that. This is basically like, this is the biggest mental hurdle they would have. If they get past this KC team, in my opinion, they're going to feel like world beaters. Like they're going to be as confident as mm-hmm. this team has ever been. Do you think there's a tougher test? Like I know that go like if Baltimore wins, going to Baltimore, I, M&T Bank Stadium is one of my the scariest places to play, in my opinion. I, I the when they're banging on the the railings, that's that's just like the craziest sound to me in an NFL stadium. The the Niners are obviously would be a tough test. They get to the Super Bowl. We know how good that team is. Do you do you think this is KC team is the toughest test because of just the mental hurdle of where this team's been the last couple of years and knowing that they've been, you know, stacked up next to this team all that time. I think out of the NFC, I don't, I'm not going to say, I don't want to see them. I think the, a, the a bigger test would be both the 49ers and the lions. I think people are overlooking okay. the lions a lot. Uh, the lions have big playability. They score a lot on big plays. They, they have, they have an offense Jamison Williams, in a way, has gone under the radar for some, I don't know how, but like he scored, most of his plays that he scores on are over 30 yards. Like he just, he's a big play guy. You talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, big play guy. They have two good running backs with a strong offensive line and they are bullies. They, it's like the perfect Rex Ryan team. They are bullies and they play defense. And so I think, I think that would be a tough test because of the, the way the Bills are, are built. Like they're not, I know this year we're physical, we're more physical, but we still struggle against the run in, in certain games. And when you have two great running backs that can score, one has the speed to do it from wherever on the field and the other one can dominate in the red zone. That's tough. Um, as far as this, I'm going to uh, as far as the AFC, I'm going to give the Bills the benefit of the doubt that everybody gives the Chiefs. The, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have not beat the Buffalo Bills since like forever ago and it took a lot of wind in buffalo in orchard park and uh, a 70 something yard mark andrews touchdown for that to happen aside from that josh allen and the buffalo bills have beat the ravens in the playoffs they've beat lamar jackson and the ravens in baltimore they were down 21 to nothing or 21 to 3 and came back to win 22 or 23 to 21 the buffalo bills are the team that the Ravens should be wondering if we can get mm-hmm. past, not the bills, not the other way around the bills beat them. They have to prove that they can beat us. As far as the Texans, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm nervous about the Texans. I think the yeah. Texans have the best offense in the playoffs right now, aside from the 49ers. They're not the same team that you saw in the first few weeks of the season. CJ Stroud is like that. And he's yes. finding receivers and tight ends and running backs everywhere. I don't know how this guy is doing it. Nico Collins, like who, who Nico Collins, like now people are talking about draft. Like, He's he's like a top 20 option in fantasy next season. If you look if you look ahead to next year, like how they're ranking things, Nico Collins. Like when's the last time you heard anybody say Nico Collins name before? There was this a uh, great anecdote during that game uh, with Noah Eagle where he's like, we asked Nico Collins, what was the difference this year for him? And he said yoga, <laughs> like not not the fact that he's got a generational quarterback. <laughs> not, yeah. yeah, it was yoga. Yeah, yeah, Stroud. <laughs> you've been you've been doing new stretches. That's your <laughs> your stretching. Okay, there, we're gonna have a conversation this summer about where CJ Stroud feels fits into this uh, hierarchy because it's 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 scary what he's doing down there. You're right about that offense. What do you he's, think? He's about top this? five. He's top. Five. Yeah. I'm sorry, he's top five. Not if yet. he didn't get injured, I think he would have been MVP. People want to debate me about that, but think back to before he got injured, he would have, dude. Go ahead, Mike. I'm just telling you. That's how I yeah. feel about CJ Stroud. I mean, they're not that's they're not blowing that game in, in. We saw what they did against Cleveland with him. They're not blowing that game in Cleveland. If number one defense, right? Yeah. Don't don't Cleveland have the number one defense in the league for the season? <laughs> the Browns are the Browns. That's that's that was the most Browns thing. They are, but I mean, it was funny. I'm just no, saying. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, like it was. It was. I mean, what it was 16 to 21, 274. Like, I mean, that's just that's a video game stat line, bro. That's that's crazy. What about me, Mike? Uh, Spence, you mentioned that the Chiefs scored 30 points like one time this season? Three. I did. Three times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ravens scored 30 points eight times this season. So Mm -hmm. acknowledging the recent history with the Bills and the Ravens, the Bills have been able to get over uh, Lamar Jackson either with the regular season or the playoffs. The Ravens are looking a lot stronger than they have in recent years. Uh, They're number one in points allowed, 
sacks and turnovers simultaneously, and that has never been done in the NFL before. They've beaten eight teams with winning records, each by 14 or more points. You take a look at the Chiefs. They're 2-4 and four against playoff teams, and both those wins were against Miami, and they're only scoring 21 points a game. That's 15 in the NFL. It's the lowest in the home career. So you want to say whether the Chiefs are the Bills' toughest test? Nah. The Ravens look to be the, the Bills' toughest test if they're going to be in the AFC Championship game. That offense. I'm sorry. Miami is such poverty. They're such poverty, yeah. man. <laughs> it was the most predictable. That was like the most predictable football game I've ever seen in my yeah. life. So yeah. It's crazy. Poverty. Like, it is. Yeah. That's, hey. But the hey, Cowboys you, in the you, AFC. But hey, you hung 70 on the Broncos in week three or week four, whatever it was. So hang a banner. We're the champs. Hang, hang the We're the champs. <laughs> but Mike, to your point about the Ravens, man, you're right. But I, I, when, whenever you get some time, and we can DM about it, it doesn't have to be on the show. Sure. But when you get some time, go back and, and look for me and let me know uh, out of the games that they score 31 or, or, I mean, 30 or more. Let me know how many defensive touchdowns happened in that game. And the mm. reason why I bring it up that way is because Lamar, I, I know Lamar Jackson is being considered as the MVP right now. He has the highest odds. Lamar Jackson hasn't put up like video game numbers. So the scoring, ver, both himself and passing, it's not the numbers that you're like. So they are scoring from somewhere. It, if it's not Lamar Jackson as the quarterback and the running game hasn't been as dominant as it's been in the past because They've been more of a passing team this season. So yeah. when you get some time to kind of research that, please let me know. Or I'll, I'll look it up. Either way, you and I can talk about it and we'll look it up. Sure. But I think I think the defense of that team is the thing that would scare me the most, not Lamar. And I love Lamar. Everybody knows I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. But as a Bills fan, if we were to play against them, I wouldn't be as nervous. Now, they could beat us. I mean, they're, they're the number one seed for a reason. But I'm not going into that game like, oh, my God, we suck. We're going to lose. I think we can beat anybody that's left in the playoffs. I'm with that. I'm with that there. So let's get into, we got to talk about it because we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, so we might hit on some points that we talked earlier, but real quickly, uh, glancing at the ESPN stats, uh, the Ravens defensive stats, I only see one touchdown listed for the defense, like all season. Okay. There I'm going to look it up because I, I want to see, like, and I, I, like, again, I wasn't saying it as an aha. I was asking because I didn't know. Sure, so sure. I, no I do want to look just to see because it, it also could be – because for me, when I look, when I think about a team that, that has scored over 30 that much and you talk about a team that, that scores a lot often, and then you look at the stats, you look at the quarterbacks. That, so it could also be like a turnover and they maybe get into the 20 and score or something yeah. like that. So so we'll look. You know, I'll look at it and see. But that's an interesting conversation sure. to have, Mike. I believe that they're, uh, I believe that they're, if I'm mistaken, I might be wrong, but I think they're either one or they're one or two in turnovers created this year. Like that defense has been ball hawking. Yeah. So that, that could be a big thing of it too. Like, and Lamar did not have the big, he didn't have the big yards. He didn't have the big touchdown total through the air. Did have 850 yards rushing, which I think is just par for the course with Lamar Jackson at this point. Like he's going to put up 800 yards in his sleep running the ball. It's, it's a, he's a joy to watch, but we talked about this a little bit. The legacy game for Josh mm. Allen and Sean McDermott, like I, I, I guess it's not even really a question at this point. Like this isn't like it is. This is the legacy game for Josh Allen and Sean McDermott in their careers thus far. And is there any way that they come out of this other than a win, thought of in the same regard that they go are going to be thought of going into this game? I guess I'll start with you, Mike. I mean. I guess another 13, not necessarily the heartbreaking and gut-wrenching yeah, ending of the 13 second yeah, game, but another nice like render. back and forth <laughs> shootout where uh, it could have gone either way, but for the bounce of a ball or a Sean Hockley call, God forbid. Um, if it's one of those games where, you know, one little deflection or a, a lucky bounce could have meant the difference between a victory or defeat for either team, maybe we can let them off the hook a little bit. But then again, we've had games like that before and it's like, okay, how many times is this going to happen? Is it how many times is luck going to not bounce our way? Can we just make enough plays to make it not even an issue by the end of the fourth quarter? Um, I think Colin counter pointed something out about Tom Coughlin back uh, when he was the coach of the giants and he was told by the owner or somebody that he was losing the locker room at that point, And he was able to basically turn it around and go on a super bowl run and Cowherd was comparing that to uh, Ty Dunn's article on Sean McDermott, mm. sort of mm. perhaps holding up a mirror to him and saying, look at how, how you're actually operating it without realizing it. And maybe the team rallied around him and said, hey, 
you know, you've made mistakes in the past and you've done some things we might not agree with, but Hey, we still got your back coach. And maybe the coach is like, you know what, maybe I could do something different. Maybe I could scheme some things different. Maybe I could have a better culture around here and maybe the team rallies around him. And if they go and win this game because of that, in part because of that, then I think that really cements uh, Sean McDermott's legacy, not just as a good coach, but as a coach who can, you know, take a look at himself and make the adjustments and learn from his own mistakes and uh, become a better coach and a person because of it. Yeah. What about, what do you think, Jay Spence? No, I agree with with everything Mike said. Um, One of the things that I looked at when the article came out was not necessarily what everybody else was saying, but I wanted to see the response from the locker room because Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I was one of the guys that was saying, Hey, if we don't make the playoffs, McDermott got to go. You know, like mm-hmm. I was, I was yeah. loud about it, and and I can be honest and say, like, look, he turned it around. I can't question uh, his leadership because these guys rallied around him. Um, the, the the few guys that I do know on the team that I've been able to speak to about it, they've all said, like, look, there have been moments with any relationship, especially at work, where with McDermott, you know, it's like, hey. Uh, this is annoying or this isn't this or this isn't that Mm -hmm. so there's been moments that yeah of course each player have had moments where you're not good with McDermott it happens but at the end of the day they all feel that Sean McDermott cares about them outside of football they all feel like they have a relationship with him man to man they feel like he cares about their families and their well-being so when something like this felt like a personal attack the team took it personally so with them take so Josh Allen felt like that article was about him you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. defense felt like it was about them, even though the name said Sean McDermott. And even though they were talking about the coordinators that he let go or they talked about the the the, the dumb analogy in the locker room from 9-11 and all this yeah. other stuff. The team felt like, oh, this is about us. Like you're attacking us. And they reacted and responded and they came back and they're on a win streak. And look, I also feel like they're on a win streak. Getting, I know this injury report this week looks bad, but they got healthier at the right time towards the end of the season. We got Daquan Jones back. We had a bye week late in the season around Mm -hmm. the time that the article came out as well. So I think that extra week of rest to prepare for this run, I think that mattered. So I think it's a it's a it's a combination of the perfect storm. So I think the article for for motivation. Sometimes when you're good every year, it's tough to to be motivated past knowing that you're good. Like if. You know, like think about it. I play, now. This is a completely different level. I play Madden all the time, and I, like you get tired of beating the computer. You just blow yep. them out. So you're just not motivated. When something happens, and my cousin comes over, he talks to the most shit in the world. And when he comes over, it's like you know what? <laughs> all right, bro. Like all right, you know that meme when they say you they sit, sit back and then you get yep. forward. I sit <laughs> forward. So I think this article was the version of that for the Buffalo Bills. Like once that article came out, they're all like, "What, man? Come on, now. Let me show y'all. Let, let's flex and show you." who we are. So I agree with everything Mike said. And I just think that the team rallied around their guy. Sean McDermott is their guy. They don't want another guy next season. And I think they're playing to prove that. You both made excellent points. And a lot of that I was going to jump on the thing with McDermott around the league. Like if you look at a lot of the league surveys and everything else, he's like not even top 10 by other teams Mm -hmm. regarded as one of the best coaches, not even 15 in some of the surveys I've seen. I think maybe it was the athletic had him like the 18th best coach in the league. And that just, that's, I mean, that's, Whatever you want to say about it, that's ridiculous. But like, I think that what that article really did, I think that my biggest, my biggest complaint about him up until this run, and I had conversations with my dad, my brother and everything else about it. It's like, feels like this man just like, he has not done the self scouting. Like he had like, he's he keeps making the same mistakes. And like, is is his ego too big to realize that he is part of the issue with what this team's, you know, pension is in these big games or in these moments where they just mess up. And I think he did that, though. I think it, that's what at least it looks like the results. Like he looked at it and like you said, it kind of showed a reflection of him and was like, OK, maybe I do need to adjust A, B and C. And he's made those adjustments. And it's and it's also a part of the team, like you said, looking at it from their end and being like, OK, how can we support this man better through the through these mm-hmm. times? And they've all come together. And now here we are. They're playing the best football they've ever played under under Sean McDermott going into this game stronger than they've ever been so yeah I feel good about it I I, I think that I think it's definitely a, a place where Allen we know we know what they're going to say about Allen if they lose it's like it's this it's gonna it's just the same shit that they've been saying the last couple of years they just have another you know 
ammo, more ammo in the chamber to come after him with. But with McDermott, he can really like he has the most to gain from this game. If you're talking about all the players, and you're talking about Reed, Allen, Mahomes, Kelsey, any of these big name uh, coaches, players in this game, McDermott has the most to gain out of this. If if they win this game and they move on to the championship game and then maybe the Super Bowl, like he will be thought of and talked about in a different regard than he's ever really been talked about. And I think he know, and they probably know that too and know that moment. Um, so let's close up here. The biggest advantage, go back to the game. The biggest advantage, we'll start with the Chiefs so we can end on a high note. What is the biggest advantage, Jay Spence, for the Chiefs in this game? Well, the biggest advantage for the Chiefs is is their experience, and it's Patrick Mahomes. So there are two time with Patrick Mahomes, you're a two-time uh, world champion. Uh, you've been in the playoffs, not on the road, but you've won big games and you've done it in big time fashion. So your experience is being the champion and, and having the best quarterback in the world. That that is what's gonna be your advantage in this game. Well said, Mike. Uh, the biggest uh, advantage for the Chiefs right now is the Bills' injury list, on, especially on defense. The depleted linebackers, uh, the defensive back court. We might get Rasul Douglas back, but uh, still, it's not. We're not at one hundred percent in that back uh, seven uh, in the defensive area. Also, this is the best defense in the Mahomes era. They've got Chris Jones. They've got uh, uh, McDuffie and Snead at defensive back, uh, able to shut down guys. Um, yeah, it, it seems like the defense is leading the Chiefs a lot more than the offense. So I mentioned the offense is only scoring 21 points a game this season. Uh, so if the Chiefs are going to win this game, they're actually going to do it defensively, I think. Yeah, uh, the biggest advantage uh, could be Sean Hockley too, but we'll we'll wait to see what <laughs> happens on Sunday. Biggest advantage for the Buffalo Bills, Jay Spence? Uh, I, I'm actually going to say Bills Mafia. Uh, yeah. So, you know, because it's, it's been one of those things where – uh, we've been on the road and we've seen Josh have big moments in Kansas City. We've seen him like the 13 seconds game we lost, but he won the game for us twice. You know, he he left the field with minimal time left with throwing a touchdown. And so you feel like you won the game. You do it at home and now you have Pat Mahomes have to uh, you need a silent count. Now, now your whole offense communication has to be on a different level collectively. Now, you know, like it's it's just different. And I think I think now I'm expecting if 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 Pittsburgh game was any indication of any level we could take it to, like to have the chiefs come in there, I feel like we could take it up like two or three more notches. I don't think the chiefs are prepared. I don't think they've been in this type of environment in the playoffs, even in a super bowl. I like, this is going to be the most uncomfortable environment that Patrick Mahomes has faced in the playoffs in his career. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there might not have been a crowd as intense and as passionate as Bill's mafia that uh, Patrick Mahomes has faced ever on the road or home in the playoffs or in the regular season. But it's interesting to point out that Kansas city this season, this season was actually six and two on the road versus five and four at home. And Mahomes passer ratings were 99 is 99 at home versus one Oh seven on the road. Now, again, maybe some of the crowds he's faced, like if he goes to LA to face the chargers, that's going to be half KC fans as it is. He can't count. Mm-hmm. That really is a road game as it is, but they've had some communication struggles between the quarterback and the receivers, uh, not to mention that they're dropping passes left and right, but uh, that can be exacerbated by a, a very loud crowd, not just at the, at the snap, but in the huddle as well. Uh, that can also exacerbate something else. Their offensive tackles are not very good on Kansas City, so they might not be able to hear the quarterback's cadence as he's mm. counting out the signals. Uh, this less talented receiver core, Kelsey's dropping passes. He's not his old self. He's not the Bills killer that he maybe once was. That's the biggest advantage to me for the Bills is this uh, offense it seems to be vulnerable uh, in the passing game. And Bills Mafia, if they want to get loud and proud, they can exacerbate that a little bit. I think the biggest advantage is the D-line. It's been my thing I've touched on all year long, that it feels like this D-line. Like, the formula to be a Super Bowl contender is you have a quarterback who can make make plays out of nothing and have a dominant D-line. This D-line's felt dominant all year long, and I feel like they really make their impact on this game, torture Mahomes, have him under pressure the whole time. The crowd, like you said, will help out. The tackles aren't very good. Big Greg Rousseau game, I think. He, he was pretty impressive last week. Ed Oliver going to have a big game. It feels like the D-line, like this is the kind of performance that they've been waiting to have all year where this is like it all culminates into this. So anybody want to make a prediction before we go? Anybody prediction? Feeling, uh, yeah, feeling spicy? Prediction? Hey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I think the Bills are going to win it. Um, I'm going to say the Bills are going to win 28 to 24. Okay. I say it feels like a 24-20 type of game. All right. I, I, I'm I'm in line with you guys. I think I had Bills 27-24. So we're, we're right we're right along there. We all think you got to get over 20 here, and I think it's going to be. A, I think it comes down to a. I think it comes down to the last couple drives. I don't think it's a last-second bass field goal. I think the Bills get a stop on Mahomes in, the, in under two minutes and get out of there with a win. And then I can't even imagine what the, we need. That we need the decibel scale if they get a stop on Mahomes on a fourth down or a third down or a pick or something in the last two minutes because it's going to be euphoria and maybe maybe a home game in the AFC Championship. Can you be- imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like if the Texans win and we know going in <laughs> that a win would be the home AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl? I really I'm I haven't made my picks yet for the weekend games. I think the Niners get it done. I think the Lions get it done. I really don't know about that game because that spread field the, the spread is way it should not be an 8-point spread with Ravens Texans. I know how that game went. First week of the year it was CJ Stroud's first game of his career. I, I CJ Stroud is he's the truth, man. Like I've been I've been on it since since the Ohio State days. I, it's the dude can't. There's nothing he can't do, and he seems to come up and play big in these moments. And let's see, let's see what happens. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. But if it is the Texans, that that will be that will be a little extra juice for for Bills Mafia and Highmark Stadium if the Texans get that win on Saturday afternoon and you know, hey, we could be right yeah. back here again at three o'clock Eastern on AFC Championship game at home again, and it really would be a nice poetic moment to be playing the Texans again, where it was the first Josh Allen playoff game and getting that ultimate that final final revenge stop before finally getting to that Super Bowl. But hey, Jay Spence, thank you for joining the Bills Chiefs matchup. We paid the Bills. Now let's get ready for Sunday. Let's get it. Let's get it, man. I appreciate it.